Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. Gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing I'm always waiting for, you know, you spend two weeks and you're typing stuff up and you're doing your thing and then you you wait for God to be like, ah, no, uh, which is always super fun. I'm, I'm about that. It's all good, but I want to make space. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, Jesus. Be, yeah, help me to have an interruptible heart. To not decide the path, but walk Help us to have hearts that, that listen. Um, use. Amen. I had, I had written this out and, um, it's interesting. This one, it, it came out very much like a blog post. Like it's just this long rambling thing, which is how I talk or teach either way. But, um, I realized both with this one and the last sermon that I did. So I love my wife, right? She's awesome. She's super awesome. And I can listen to her talk all day long, partly because Jesus healed my hearing as well, which is testimony there. But so let's say I come home and I ask my wife, what's for dinner? There will be this intake of breath and this really long explanation of how she landed on what is happening for dinner. And I was just really wondering if we're having bacon or not, because that's really the, right. Which is fine. It's great. I love it. And I was typing. And I stopped and I realized, oh no, I teach exactly the same way my wife talks. And I don't know how that happened. If you find that this is long, it's long because I want you to have the backstory. I want you to understand what God walked me through to get to where I'm trying to get to here. There's a path that's walked along this. And I think that it's really easy to skip that path and just get to the meat at the end. Meat at the end is important, but unless it has the seasoning of the path, it doesn't really, just doesn't really get you there. Two weeks ago, I talked about asking God to do it again. I don't know if you, you remember that, but um, this was all part of that as well. And what God was asking me to do was to give thanks. And I thought, what is, what actually is thankfulness? What's the What's the thought or heart process in having a grateful heart or a thankful heart? And as I was pondering that question, he was bringing to mind some things, some of the big items of my life, the um, stuck in the jungles of Nepal. I'm lost, super lost. And I see a dove scooch up this valley and go that way. Sure enough, that got me out. 2005, I was holding the crane cable and it took 150,000 volts three times because the guy boomed out and made contact with the high tension line. I got some super cool scars to, <laughs> to prove it. And people don't survive that kind of use. 
I got flight for life to Denver and, um, and it hurt for a long time. But in the middle of that, there's two miracles. One, I survived. Two, I got to watch the body of Christ come around my family and love and support us. And as I'm thinking about these things, I'm thinking about these are the mountaintops. Boom, boom. These are the I know he's here moments. And I was like, I want some more of that. And he said, yeah, that's awesome. But don't, don't you see me talking to you when the sun sets against the mountain? You see me in the flower, hear me in the winds. Like these little things are not less than the big things. With that in mind, I start digging through all of this. And I found it interesting that thankfulness or gratitude, that it actually can only be expressed outward. If I attempt to process this inward, it comes out as a measuring device. I can't say, for instance, that I can say that I can be grateful that God made me strong enough to get through a complete an event, a race, effect. But I can't be thankful to myself. I can only say that I was or was not able to meet a standard right? There's a difference between thankfulness and expectation. Now I can, I, again, I can thank God for the strength to do this. I can't thank myself for the strength to do that. It doesn't work. I can also be thankful for things that I believe, or I also cannot be thankful for things that I believe I am owed or deserve. This is, again, part of the transition from thankfulness or gratitude to expectation. And expectations can be missed, met, or exceeded, but they are still firmly planted outside the realm of gratitude. Now, I can see wheels going, and some of you are like, but we're getting there. Hold on. Uh, there was a study done in 2016, Passport Notes. They assert that as expectations have changed, gratitude has diminished in Western society. Possessions and health are expectations for many individuals rather than considered personal blessings that are appreciated. This is actually a cultural shift from gratitude to expectation. If we consider gratitude to be on one side and expectation on the other, how do we proceed to ground ourselves? Where do we land in this? I certainly wouldn't say that having expectations is bad. In fact, I think it's safe to say that if you were to fully remove from yourself one of these, you would be wholly miserable. Cannot imagine being grateful for everything but never having the excitement of expecting God to arrive. Likewise, I cannot fathom expecting God to arrive and never being grateful that he in fact did. If we then suppose that gratefulness is something that is gifted to another and expectations and task or burden placed upon another, these become further separated and yet somehow they are still tied together. I can be grateful that the sun is shining, birds are chirping and life is like a fairy tale. However, if I expect life to be like a fairy tale, I will be forever disappointed because it leaves no room for anything unexpected. And this precludes my ability to be grateful for anything that does happen because it's not what I expect. How then is it that I can expect the Lord and not be disappointed? Is that entirely about him? Or is this partly a failing of the English language that drives this pendulum to extremes rather than allowing for some kind of nuance in the language to speak to what you are actually expecting. There is an expectation that's founded in opinion, something you believe to be correct or the right way. I expect that if I drop this, it to hit the floor, right? 
But there's also an expectation that's founded in hope, something that you eagerly desire to happen. I expect God to show up. Now, I can't make any, but I eagerly desire for that case. For instance, when Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, 44, so you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. He's speaking in the first term, right? Because there's a bunch of people that are expecting. This is dial. We know when he's coming. He's coming here. Actually, very clearly, you don't. But in Psalm 27, when he says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. That wait is actually a version of the word expect. And that's that second piece. So this waiting, this hopeful expectation, that is where we dry it. That's where we ground ourselves. That's where we dial in, where we can split these two off. And it's again, okay to have an expectation that if I drop this, it hits the floor. We understand that to be true, but we cannot use that same expectation when we speak to the Lord. So if expectation is not the issue, then the heart is. We are expecting the Lord to show up for, are we expecting the Lord to show up at the appropriate time? Or are we waiting, hoping, expecting the Lord as the virgins who kept the lamps? This is same is true for the provision of the Lord. Whether we are expecting his provision in finances or body, we can position our hearts to demand or receive. Both are expectations. One is something we believe we deserve. The other is something we desire or hope. Again, so we're splitting these apart, right? With this in mind, it seems that we must learn to foster, to grow the desire and hope in our hearts so that we are building on a foundation of the Lord and not some perceived merit of our own. That's another part of expectation is that it is on that right-hand side where it says, I expect this to be the case. That is built on our wisdom, on our, on our knowledge of a situation, which is incredibly finite, rather than resting it on the Lord who is all and is in all and can actually do this thing. It occurs to me that like a muscle, hope must be stretched. And we've said that, or I've heard it said a lot about faith in the same way, but I think hope has to be activated. And so when, again, here we are with the long rambling story to get somewhere. When the Lord started talking to me about these peaks and all these little, um, talking about the simplicity of waking up in the morning, having coffee with a friend, dinner with my family. That prayer before dinner with the family, how has that become such a simple rhetoric? How has that become just something that happens? How have I lost my real thankfulness to have my family at the table? The list can go on and on because the truth is that there is no moment where we are not experiencing his goodness. These are all gifts. Our life is all a waiting on and hoping in him. And he, in his goodness, continues to provide. This comes to the heart of the matter, really. If in our expectation, our waiting on him, correct form of expectation, we find ourselves unable to see the everyday mirror. If we find ourselves preoccupied um, or too preoccupied to testify his goodness in these small things that we absolutely rely on, how can we hope to recognize him in the mirror? How can I hope to see him in the massive if I'm not willing to see him in the sunrise? strikes me that I've spent a great amount of my time 
I'm taking each breath for granted while defining for him the expected result of my prayers. I boxed him. I boxed him, man. I didn't even realize I was doing it because it was, because the whole thing felt so righteous. Felt like I was doing the right thing, but I didn't ask. I was building a system that, that God could fit inside. And then mad that it didn't go the way that I had planned. Um, now, I do want to note about that little bit. I don't want to confuse matters. I believe that he has laid out in scripture very clear that we should make our request. That is, be specific. Be specific. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about any, but in every situation, by prayer or petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's almost like he's teaching us how to do it. You see? I am not saying that we simply wing ourselves into whatever and allow God to drag us out. This is not a test God scenario. That's not the point. The point is that in our prayer life, when we are asking him for these things, when we are saying, this is a need that I have, and I would love to have this met. Are we defining how it gets met for him? Is God our vending machine where we just rack in a couple of prayers and hit the button? It's not how this works. And he's not going to have it. He wants you. He wants relationship with you. And he's going to continue to provide, but, um, but you can keep pushing the button for Fritos all you want. It just doesn't work out. See, now I'm getting off. The change in expectation in my heart is really the how he will meet that need or want. Uh, so can we pray for healing and be okay with the reality that he led the doctor's hands and mind rather than what we'd normally call miraculous healing? When I got blasted, there wasn't, there was the miracle of me surviving. And then there was a lot of surgery. That's not less God. But actually one, I have one for you from just this last month. My, my oldest daughter is getting married in September. And it was a pretty, pretty stinking short engagement. And they, <laughs> God's still working on that. He's awesome. She's awesome. It's just hard for a dad to let go. It's really cool. So. She came to my wife and I said, how much do we, what can we do for a wedding year? What do we got to work with? I'm like, yeah. big fat zero. Like, I, and I didn't tell her that. I don't think she's going to watch this. We'll see. But I said, hey, let me talk to your mom and, and we'll talk and pray about it. And we'll let you know. And we felt God said four grand. I don't come ahead for that. But we said. Paid. This is the, this is what we have for a brand. And we just believe that God would see the note paid and not a month goes by. Now one month and God gives us that to the doll. And in a way that I never would have seen coming. I have three other teenagers. I have a, a wife and a house. Like, there's a lot of things I can spend $4,000 on a lot of them, but he planned that for her. How beautiful is that? If he had given it to me before she asked, would I have seen it as his provision for her? That's the way that I would have preferred it. 
for me to have realized that I have three daughters and actually, oh, I should actually probably plan for this. That's a good idea. But here, but here I was and like, I would have been very happy with myself if I had had that money set aside. That's really sad in this moment that I would have missed out on seeing God say, no, this is for her. This one's for her. And that is beautiful. There's a difference between expecting something because it is what you suppose um, or suppose will or you think should happen and expecting just something to happen and expecting God to do something specific and expecting him to do something, right? There's, these are the two sides. I didn't expect God to do something specific. So that I'm going to spend $4,000 and I don't know and I'm not defining where that comes from. Because I would have missed it. I would have missed it. One of these includes your idea of what the thing will be. The other allows for the mysterious. One defines your perspective because you are watching for something specific. And the other allows God to define your perspective for you. Right? One narrows your focus down to this point. I'm watching this moment. I need this to happen right here. And the other allows you to see all that God is doing. When you collapse down to this tiny thing, you're missing all the other miracles that God is doing. How can you have faith that he's going to do this thing if you're missing everything else? You're missing out on the reality that he is going to carry you through. But we're so focused. We're so focused. So I realized that if I go through my life only seeing Jesus in the big miracles, which are super cool and I love then I approach each need with a little bit of trepidation because I'm hoping that he'll show up. But if my life is spent watching and experiencing his miracles, I have no doubt because he's constantly there. And I know that. I know his consistency. So doubt has no place because it's not that he has in these few big items. It's that he has each moment of my life. Right? How can we, like... Can we appreciate the moment that we just had this morning for worship? I got to watch my kids walk over to Clay because they are searching for an experience with God. Right? How beautiful is that? How beautiful is it to see miracles, to hear testimony? These things are constant. We are not paying attention. So in all of this, um, God actually gave me a challenge to testify of the little things and see how my heart changes. The sunrise or sunset on the mountain. The strength to rise in the morning, no matter how long it actually took. You have it to celebrate with anybody who will listen all the ways that he reaches out to me. Letting go of the way I believe it should be. Expectation. And reveling in the miracle, the continued hope of being able to stand before you and speak. Imagine the joy of knowing that this moment is a gift with no fearful expectation of its end, but a joyful hope and a waiting for the next. This childlike joy and reaching toward the Father saying, do it again, breaks the fear of the enemy that is bound up in expectation that says we must, through our own strength, define the way things should be. Waiting expectation on him places us in a constant state of receiving from him, a place of continuing to ask him to do it again. And thus constant state of thankfulness and praise. This is joy. 
living in nature. The other thing that he was speaking to me about was about this being a part of stewarding our own hearts. Remember that you gave your life to Jesus. There was a transfer there, right? We are stewarding these hearts that he's given us. Be faithful a little and he will give you more. Now, we don't steward so that we can receive more. That's not the right? But so that he can be glorified more in our lives. This is about him being glorified. That's the actual drive here, right? This isn't our story. It's his story. We get to play a beautiful part in his story, but we are pointing it. So the true lesson of stewardship is, can I be trusted to shout his praise in the small things? Can I be trusted to see his hand in these aspects of my life? Can we take from Jesus' example and say, not my will, but Lord, but yours be done, and proclaim his glory even in the hard things? Can we choose to see him in the trials and hardships and glorify him? When David is hard-pressed and about to die, do you think he, this is the way he would have expected it to go? Of course not. Yet, what does he say? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures for it. And his psalm is beautiful for that. He does this again and again. It's easy to get lost in the woe is me at the beginning of most of us. But see where he tracks that. He is constantly pointing his life toward God because he's got no other option. And so because of that, no matter what the hardship is, he continuously drives down to this point. He is thanks to the Lord, his love endures. This driving down into that Wait to be your heart that connects and says, he's, just, he's still good. Hey, don't forget, he's still good. Let's come to do it again. You saved me before. Do it again. You provided last time. Do that again. Tell me you love me again, right? All right. I've said a lot in a pretty short time, so I'm going to recap a little. Are you expecting him, him being God, to answer or provide in a specific way? Have you boxed him in? Or are you willing to keep watch for however he wants to provide? Are you willing to see his hand in the little things? Are you willing to glorify him in those things? Are you stewarding your own heart well? Are you investing the time to glory in all that he does? Or are you holding out for bigness? He is constant in your life. He is constant. And it doesn't always feel like that. I tell my kids all the time, our feelings are really great at telling us one thing. That's how we feel. That's what they're designed for. And they're beautiful and they're good. They are not truth. My prayer is that you will have eyes to see the consistency of God in your life. Sometimes it's he's raising the dead. And other times he's cooking fish on you, um, cooking fish on the shore for you after a bad day. This is, he's not. He's not missing out on any of these moments and, and both of these extremes. Don't miss out on waking up in the morning and, and having a song on your heart, right? Sometimes it doesn't go that way, but when it does, I was, yes, keep Jesus. That's, that's leaning into glorifying. Lord Jesus, thank you for these people that you gathered. And Lord, if there be anything of you 
in all of this and let it fight. And if not, then let it blow away with the brakes. I love you, Chris. You are. Pray that you open the eyes of our hearts to see the reality of that goodness. That we would be willing to revel in the flower and the fruit. The little hopes. That we would let those things improve the quality of our faith. So when the big things hit, they are actually not big things at all. We be glorified in my life. Jesus. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at Fellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.